0: Hello and welcome to our first year a Mattress and Stories podcast. I'm your host, Molly Vassa Bertolucci. I'm a licensed therapist and a maternal mental health specialist. I'm a mother of two on a parenthood learning journey, just like you. On this podcast, I talk with moms about their first year of motherhood and all of the joys, challenges, and surprises that come along with it. We share a lot of information and resources here, but this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a mental health professional. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Thanks for being here with me. Today's guest is Chelsea. She's a mother of two and a social worker. Chelsea is my mom friend that I text late at night when there's something weird going on with my baby or I just need to vent. In this episode, Chelsea shares with us about persevering through a transformative, overwhelming first year, starting with an emergency C-section the weekend the world shut down, breastfeeding challenges, and the decision to have another baby. Chelsea, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing some of your story with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about you and your family.
1: So I'm Chelsea. I am a licensed clinical social worker working in Southern California. And I am a mother of two. I have a three-year-old and a three-month-old, both baby girls.
0: What three words would you use to describe your first year of motherhood?
1: When I think about the first year, I think about kind of like how it was a bit of a roller coaster. So the three words I picked when I thought about it were transformative, overwhelming, and persevering. I thought with transformative, more like, um, you know, just I feel like... I, when I, before I became a mom, I was very career focused and like working. And then once I gained this new role, I had to figure out kind of who I was and in a different way. Like I wasn't just a social worker now. I was a mother and even my role as a wife changed. So I felt like that was, you know, very transformative um, period of time for me, even going from one to two, same thing over again. Um, And then overwhelming. It was just like, having that first uh, baby and first time with the newborn for the first few months was just really, really overwhelming. And then even having the second baby, the first um, couple months was overwhelming again. It's just that period of adjustment, which is why I picked persevering as the last one. Because I feel like as a mother, you just go through all these different transitions with your body and your baby and your partner, and you're just so persevering. Like it's just very resilient process for a mom. Mm.
0: I love how you said you gained a new role and you use this word adjusting. Like it is, you're, you're adding to your identity, right? Like there's this shift and you are still who you were before, but you're adding this whole new layer of um, complexity and nuance and Joy and struggles and all of these things into your identity and your life. What was the model in your head of motherhood? What did you think that that first year would be like?
1: So I, my mother is uh, has five kids and girls, and I am the oldest. So even though I have four younger siblings. I thought it was going to be this blissful, easy experience. My mom made it look easy. And I don't know if it's because I was younger and that's like the perception that I had, but she was able to breastfeed all five of us. And so I thought breastfeeding was going to be a piece of cake, just super easy. And I thought it was just going to be this blissful, like period of oneness with the newborn. Um, And also from my mother's experience, I just kind of thought that I was going to have very similar birthing experiences to her. And all of her babies were, you know, just vaginal, like regular birth. No, nobody ended up in the NICU, like nothing like that. And so I thought that's kind of how it was going to be. And it wasn't.
0: <laughs> it was different. It was different. So how did your reality match up to that expectation?
1: It didn't really. And then I think that's part of it is like I was – grieving that thought of having, like, that experience. Um, but, you know, I went in with my first thinking I was going to labor, you know, have my water break like they do in the movies. And then it was an emergency C-section. And then um, I think because my body wasn't ready, mm-hmm. breastfeeding was a little difficult. And it's a little more complicated than it seems. So I struggled with that. And so it's just, like, a lot of adjusting. Um, so it was just not what I pictured. But, um, you know, got
0: through it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned struggling with breastfeeding. Tell me yeah. more about that. How did you feed your baby in the first year?
1: So I was planning on breastfeeding, right? But I think with um, going through like all, like the induction process and then leading up to the emergency C section, my body just wasn't ready. So I think it took a little bit longer for my milk to come in. And then I also just, didn't know what I was doing and it was peak COVID where we didn't have a lot of resources out once you left the hospital. Um, so I ended up finding somehow like exclusive pumping. And so, which I didn't know is a thing because I do think that like one problem is like when you go to the hospital, everybody's like, are you breastfeeding your kid? It's not kind of how are you going to feed your baby? Mm-hmm. It's like when let's get you breastfeeding and sometimes that doesn't work. And then, you know, we, I think it would be nice to have other options because I had no idea about exclusive pumping. I found out like through a friend who mentioned it and then I looked into it and, on social media and found like this whole mom support group with exclusive mm-hmm. pumping and that's what I did. So I pumped every two to three hours around the clock mm-hmm. and did that to build up my supply and I ended up being able to breastfeed her or well, exclusive pump feed her um, just exclusively breast milk up until I stopped pumping when she turned a year. And then I had enough stash to take her to 16 months.
0: That's amazing. So So it's kind of like this, we hear this black and white, like you're either breastfeeding or you're not. And like this idea that like breastfeeding is nursing, right? But there's also like exclusive pumping Mm -hmm. and there's like supplementing the formula. Like there's this whole like spectrum Mm -hmm. of ways that to feed your baby. And so With exclusive pumping, you were giving your daughter um, exclusively breast milk that you were pumping. Yes. And at the end of your journey, I think you had shared on social media some stats. Do you remember what those were? It was like I had pumped like 71
1: gallons of milk, which when you think about that up—that that is an insane (laughs) amount of milk. And it just shows what a woman's, you know, a lactating Mm -hmm. person's body can be. Produced.
0: Absolutely. So, that is yeah. like such a cool visual. And like the amount of time and yeah. just the love that you put into um, being able to feed her that way and adjusting. Before we hear more from Chelsea, I thought this might be a good time to share a little bit about my own breastfeeding journey. I have two young children, and like Chelsea, I did the math. Between the two of them, I have nursed or pumped breastfed in some capacity for over 3,800 hours, and counting. I'm still in this process with my youngest. And through these past three years, I have tried so many different nursing and pumping bras, including (laughs) my own handmade, homemade, Pumping bra that was a sports bra with holes cut into it when my baby was in the NICU, and I just didn't have the capacity to research, find, try (laughs) a pumping bra. So I have truly (laughs) tried everything, and Kindred Bravely's Sublime Hands Free Pumping and Nursing Bra has been the one bra that has been the most supportive to me throughout this journey. Um, from pumping when my baby was in the NICU and when she needed medication and bottles to now with my younger daughter and wanting to easily move back and forth between nursing when she's with me and pumping when she's at daycare. So Kindred Bravely recently released this bra, my favorite bra, in two new colors, fig and gray. I have a discount code for you. It's Molly V15. If you use Molly V15, you'll get 15% off. So I will share that and a referral link In the show notes for you. Let's get back to Chelsea's story. You also mentioned um, this was peak COVID. So that's a whole nother layer in your story. Yeah. What was that birth experience like in that postpartum period? It was the
1: weirdest experience. So my first child was born, she was born the week that the United States shut down. So when my husband and I went into the hospital, no one was wearing masks. It was not a thing. And um, I was actually induced because my blood pressure was high, but it was during the time like I was going in for non-stress like the fetal monitoring and on the TV, it was like the news talking about how they didn't know how COVID affected newborns. Mm. And so I think that spiked my blood pressure because here I am first time mom with a newborn, peak COVID, not knowing what's gonna happen. And so we were admitted to the hospital and we were there, I checked in on a Tuesday afternoon and we didn't leave until Sunday. So in that five day span or whatever it was that we were there we saw things progress. So all of a sudden the nurses on Wednesday showed up wearing masks and then Thursday, they had all kinds of PPE gear. And then after that, like Friday on, like they, even little things like, you know, they bring you a thing of water. They stopped taking your water out. They started just bringing you new ones because they didn't want to like cross contaminate like the water that they're bringing their patients, like just things like that, the sanitizing change. Like we saw everything. And then leaving the hospital when we were discharged, it was going into like a post-apocalyptic world. Like nobody was on the streets, there's no traffic. And then just the stores were crazy. So I remember, you know, we needed to get formula because I was, um, wasn't producing yet. And so we needed a supplement and it was nowhere to be found. So luckily my pediatrician had some, and he was able to give us like a few cans to get through that period of time, but it was, it was so bizarre. Bizarre, yeah. yeah. All the baby medicine. Like everything was off the shelves at that time.
0: How disorienting. Yeah. Coming into this whole new reality. It
1: was so weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely not what you had pictured. Yeah, no, no. What was sleep like in the first year?
1: So in the beginning, it was pretty rough. And I always laugh about this because I'm I'm somebody who needs sleep. Like I thrive on my eight hours of sleep. And so when I don't have that, I'm a different person. Like I don't function (laughs) well. I feel that. I'm the same way. I do not function well. And I'm just like moody, just different. And so when we had the baby, like she, Noah was not sleeping very well. Like I'm looking back on it. She was probably more like a normal newborn, but it was like every, it felt like every half hour she was waking up and then, um, I remember like my husband and I would take shifts and so he can stay up late. He's a night owl. So he would do the night shift and I would do the morning shift. Mm -hmm. And so I would like cry and be like, we're never going to be asleep at the same time, like again and all this stuff. And so that lasted for a few months and then she got better and then we figured it out. And then eventually we sleep trained her. And when we did that, it was like life changing for us because she was able to, sleep very well and like i was doing like 7 p.m to 7 a.m and we were all doing better game changer slept yes it was such a game changer she was less like fussy because she was so well rested it was so once we got to that point sleep was better and i felt like a new person
0: (laughs) like way more functional yes everything is harder when you're exhausted and everything's a little more raw (laughs) right and um like what stands out to me when I don't get enough sleep is like a heightened irritability, and you're already like sore and confused and <laughs> all these things. And then, like with the heightened irritability, is like there can be a lot more conflict with your partner. Um, what was it like for you and your husband that first year?
1: It was a little bit um, of a roller coaster with periods of you know, like that you have kind of like this blissfulness in the beginning of like we have this baby that we created together and then it was like a little bit of irritability and then we're both confused and trying to figure everything out and then um so it was kind of like a little bit of a roller coaster and then definitely like created you know you have to I feel like too you're figuring out your new role as a couple because now you're not just a couple that's together and has, you know, my husband and I have been together now 15 years. So we've been together for a long time. And then it was like this closeness of two people all of a sudden becomes three and our focus moves away from each other towards keeping this new baby alive and like taking care of them. So we had to really figure out our role as parents and how that changed us as a couple. And I feel like, you know, now I can easily say that it's different and it's better, but it felt so, different that first time Mm. a little bit harder and then eventually we got it and we were able to just really jump in and support each other I think too I did a lot of like wanting to him to know what I needed without voicing it Mm. and stuff and so when I would feel overwhelmed because here I am holding the fussy baby trying to pump for her And, you know, just feeling super touched out and overstimulated and then like not voicing when I needed help when he's completely capable of helping. So definitely in this second time around, change that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's all new, right? It's all new for everyone. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. What was it like for you to go back to work? (laughs) What was that decision like for you and what was the transition like?
1: Really difficult
0: i would say because this is also yeah. COVID, right yes. so there's that element too
1: so the first when when i think about going back to work i think of like in person because with with my first baby i was, I was she was born in march and then when i found out because i work for um an entity that was close so we were remote right and so i was able to go back in may and not mm-hmm. take my leave because we were home and working at that time only four hours a day like so it was easy yeah
0: everyone was home
1: yes everybody was home and then the following year we were still home and then i was like something that i will say with COVID is that i was able to be home with my baby for the whole first year which in all that negative space it was a really positive thing and so i didn't go back until april in person person. Mm -hmm. yes and that was difficult for me because here I was home with my baby I got to be there for every single first like it was the best and um going back was really difficult which I wasn't expecting because I had always been a working like person Mm -hmm. and so I was like here I am I could do this like it's gonna be nothing and then when I did it it was really Hard and I missed her and I would get updates because my husband was able to be home with her and then I got like a weird jealousy feeling of like I wanted to be home with her, um and then you know we adapted with that too but it was difficult mm-hmm. and then I would say you know the, the, with this new baby that I have it's something that I think about a lot is like what am i what am I gonna miss when I mm-hmm. go back in person. And she's still
0: little. Like, I just don't want to miss those first. It's hard. Because it's almost like the first time you're having to make that decision now Mm -hmm. with your second. Yes. Yeah. And uh, my journey is really similar. Um, Part of my story is that we have children really similar ages. And so I was home with my first for a really long time, too. And there's a whole cohort of us Mm -hmm. um, kind of pandemic baby moms (laughs) who, like, went into having kids with no like idea COVID was coming and then getting to spend a lot of time with our first kids and then having second children being like, I don't want to go away from them. Like yeah. <laughs> this is hard. It's like um, it's always hard for everyone in different ways. But yeah, it's this this kind of like interesting experience mm-hmm. when it's your second and you're kind of making that decision for the first time.
1: And it kind of makes you feel, I don't know if you feel this way, but just a little guilty. Cause it's like, here I was home with my first and now I'm gonna spend a little less time with the second, and and I've really had to realize that like it affects us way more than it affects the kiddos. Like, mm-hmm. like as long as we you know are there as much as we can and doing the you know the best that we can, like they don't feel it as much as we do. Whereas mm-hmm. like I've definitely noticed that, like I will think that it's gonna be so hard, you know, dropping Noah off at school, and then she's like,
0: bye, Mom. I'm like I'm crying, and she's fine, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely an area that some of that mom guilt can pop yes. up. Yeah, um, and navigating that is is a it's a tricky one. How did the idea of self care shift for you during that first year?
1: Um, I think I had to find it in different ways. So I think before I thought of self care as like these big things, um, and. You know, like it just changed and I had to figure out how was I gonna get it in like smaller kind of form. So instead of, you know, going and getting my nails done and getting like taking a few hours to do mani petty, if I can just go to target by myself, without my husband, without my kids, like <laughs> that feels like self care or like something that I really like is like having my coffee in the morning. And if I can just have like a really delicious coffee, then I feel grounded and you know, little things like that. Um, Think that's what I just really had to find
0: it in a mm. different way. So, yeah, that solo target run is that's gold. Yes, a hot cup of coffee. Yes, gold, gold. <laughs> <laughs> keyword hot cup <laughs> yes. in one city. Yeah, so good. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. makes you feel proud about your first year as a mother?
1: Something that I feel it like, will. You know, now it comes up right. Like what? What I thought about when I was a mom when I became a mom. It's all I want is for my kids to feel loved, mm. right? And so. I, I feel like when we're in it, we don't see all the things that we're doing and all the effort that we're putting in. And so I can safely say that I have accomplished that goal because now that my three-year-old is very verbal, like she will say things like, my mommy loves me so much and like, mommy and daddy love me. And like, that's all I care about. And so if I can just, you know, think of one thing with my first years, I just feel proud of like given that everything happened and how I felt Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think I did have like some postpartum depression in the beginning, like, and just getting through that and just proud of like, just that whole first year, how hard it was and overcoming all those challenges and getting through it as a family. Mm -hmm. So,
0: Absolutely. What do you think helped you and provided you a lot of that support to get through, especially those days where you felt like the postpartum depression was heavy?
1: I think having a village of support, right? Like a mom, especially moms. And then I think too, like moms around your own age, because I did have like my mother-in-law and my mom, but things are different now with how we're parenting and the things that we go through. And so I think having people that you can have very transparent, honest conversations with, like that are gonna validate and then also just support really, really, it just meant so much to me. And just, Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, you need people that you can go to for advice that are going to be honest, but also know kind of how you're trying to parent and, you know, get through that. And I think too, um, honestly, somebody told me one time that, you know, like therapy and medication saved their life, which made me open Mm -hmm. to getting support for postpartum and being very, you know, open, and honest and vulnerable with my doctor so that I can get that support. And that helped me, you know, take care of myself and not feel shame around it and then be a better mom.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Good therapy is life-changing and life-saving. Absolutely. And love any chance I get to break down stigma about medications, especially in postpartum, especially when breastfeeding, the two can absolutely coexist. So if that's something that listeners are wondering about, you can you can talk with your doctor about that. But that's that's not off limits to you, and it can be very supportive. Having a second child or deciding to have more children can be is a huge decision. What was that decision like for your family?
1: It was interesting. So I come from a big family, right? I have five siblings, and so I always thought I wanted to have a big family. And then once I had Noah, I was like, she's all I need. Like, so it changed, and then, but then I could see when she hit around two, I was like, she could really benefit from having a sibling, and I felt like I feel like you forget about the hard part. Like, we can do it again, and then so my husband and I, you know, we had a really serious conversation, and we're like, what do you want our family to look like? And I was thinking, you know, I wanted three kids, and then my husband was very honest. And he was like, I think, you know, I have the mental capacity for two, and now that I've gone through this the second time, I realized that we both made the good decision of having just two, and um, it was different, you know, having a, being pregnant with a toddler is different, and it's a totally Amen. different game, <laughs> and like, you don't get to nap as much as you really want to and need to, and um, I'm glad that we made this decision. There's nothing better than that first day that they met, so... I'm really glad that I was able to capture that moment on video and see Noah meet her sister because she was so excited. She was shaking. It was so cute. And she was just, like, so happy.
0: So with Noah, you had an emergency C-section, which wasn't your plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then with your second baby, I we know each other. So I, I was part of this, like, journey of getting to see you make this decision about – whether or not you wanted to attempt a VBAC, a vaginal birth after C-section, or if you wanted to schedule a C-section. Can you walk us through kind of what that decision was like and your thought process and what you ultimately ended up doing with yeah. your your new baby?
1: Yeah. So I definitely wanted to have a vaginal birth the first time. And unfortunately, I couldn't. And um, so this second pregnancy, I, you know, my doctor was very open. She was like, you can do the VBAC but if it doesn't happen you know spontaneously she did say that i would probably need to do the c-section um just because there is the risk of like the uterine rupture kind of thing um but she said it was totally up to me and so i kind of thought about it and then she you know had many conversations with her but ultimately i decided to do the uh, scheduled c-section because with my first with noah i did not dilate like at all like even I did the folly balloon um in the hospital pitocin everything and after that like second day because I went in Tuesday and then didn't have her until Thursday night I was at two centimeters after all of that and it was just insane the amount of pain my body went through and everything and so I had a really bad feeling that it was going to happen again I was walking like miles during the day doing everything that the doctors recommend to help you like open up, you know? And so I just didn't want to do that. And then I had reached out to a couple moms who did the schedule C-section and everybody kept saying it was way better. And so I just kind of went for it and trusted the mothers who came before me and my doctor and I will say it was a good decision and I'm so supportive of like mothers that choose to do the VBAC. for me I'm really glad I did the c-section because when I went in for my checkup the week before my c-section she said I was whatever you know how they rate the cervix they said I was not even close like the head wasn't even near like I probably would have ended up going way past Mm -hmm. the time you know, way past forty weeks. So I it was perfect for us. And so it was a different experience too. It was less stressful than my first. The pace was really slow. I walked into the operating room. The anesthesiologist was playing relaxing like classic rock music. Everybody was fine. And the baby was out in less than 15 minutes and in my arms. Mm -hmm. And it was like the most bizarre experience. And even my recovery was different after because I didn't have all the medicine and the induction things and all the stress from like laboring for so long. So I recovered so quickly, whereas my mind was recovering faster than my body. I had to keep reminding myself mm-hmm. to slow down because even though I was healed on the outside, you know, you got the incision on the inside. So I had to be better like calming down, but I just felt so good. Like my swelling was different, like everything. Mm-hmm. My milk came in the hospital. It was night and day
0: difference. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that's a really... Um, a good distinction to make right there's an emergency c-section and then there was a c-section where you actually went in knowing what was going to happen and I think there can be such a sense of like calm when you've it's really hard to be in that place of like oh should I and there's a lot of like should right or like guilt about like should I attempt a vaginal birth or what's better or like and it can really feel like going back and like a ping pong yeah right going back and forth
1: and I feel like too there's like a slight little bit of shame with c-sections and so I, I somebody told me that I like to stick with is all birth is natural birth right like, absolutely so even if you end up doing a c-section it still counts it's not like you didn't have you did not birth your child like you do just in a different way that's safe for your body And I'm really glad that I did because I probably would not have been a VBAC candidate without
0: things were going, so. It was the best decision for you and you got to make that decision and have that peace beforehand. Yes. Yes. Is there a moment or a period of time that really stands out to you looking back?
1: I think a moment of time, I would say, really the, maybe when they become um, almost like a toddler in the end of that first year. Because you really see their personality come out. And I think one of the things that made the newborn face so hard for me is that you don't they're so sleepy and they don't give really any feedback. And it's like once you get that first smile, you're like, All right, that's the, you know, that's the part. There yeah, you right? are. Yes. <laughs> and then now like my three year three month old, she's smiling and she's laughing and it sounds like a pterodactyl, but it's so cute. And so I think as like I like that part as they transition and then it's it's really just like so much growth from now on and it's just like she's already she's so close to being on the move and I really like that part it stands out and I think also maybe you know that part stands out maybe because in that first year once I got to that three-month mark I felt a little better mm. and so I wonder if I was more able to be more mentally like present yeah. because my mental health was better too after yeah. finally getting the hang of it and getting out of that kind of newborn
0: fogginess totally yes Tell me about Noah's first birthday.
1: Oh, it was so fun. Um, it was still COVID-like <laughs> time, so <laughs> it was just immediate family. But one day, like, read the birthdays are my favorite. I love to plan. I like to crafty, like everything. And so, for Noah's first birthday, I did because um, she's very wild and like very um, brave, just like cur- mm-hmm. like so very courageous. And so, we did like a where the wild things are. So we did a wild one and I dressed her up in the little Max costume from the book, which was really cute. So and cute. yeah, it was it was just a really good time. And it was, I I don't know if you felt this way, but for the first birthday, I felt like it's really also for you as a parent. Cause you're like, wow, I got through the first year. Like it, it was awesome. And so I made this thing for her that was like, um, like a, I took a wood, a piece of wood, and then I dangled photos from her first year. And I just remember a moment of, like, looking at those and all, like, going from the newborn all the way down to where she was at one and just realizing how much happens in that first year. And it felt really good to just be like, wow, we got here. We got through all of this. Like, it was awesome. It was great.
0: So much growth. For them, it's so visible.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: it also parallels so much growth for you as a person in as a mother and as a family like that's yeah it totally is like this big milestone because they're growing up but it's also like whew. So, yes, <laughs> yeah. we made it
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. what words of encouragement or wisdom do you have for moms who are in it right now
1: so number one I would say always like talk to somebody make sure that you have the people in your life that you can talk to and support you especially with like setting boundaries and things like that have those friends that can validate you especially when you feel like you're, you're losing it kind of mm-hmm. and also I like to think of like that phrase like it's a season because uh, everything changes like by day and so I feel like even when you know my baby's having like these really fussy nights where I'm like oh my gosh like what's going on I try to remember in my, in, like that it's all temporary like those hard nights end and like things get better and those periods of where they're just crying and you're like I don't know what's going on like to know that that's okay to not know that you're going to figure it out and it comes um so I always like to think of it
0: do you have any resources that you want to share with listeners
1: um I was thinking about this so I would recommend that if they want any information like about feeding and things like that if you run into any issues definitely look up groups on Facebook there is an exclusive pumping group on Facebook there's also an ex uh pumping and breastfeeding group so you get a lot of tips information I mean moms come up with like the craziest hacks and things like that for stuff um and then I was thinking too of um I really like you know that I'm doing the new mom circle so i would recommend mm. always looking for support in your area the big little feelings instagram gives a lot of parenting tools and validation so yeah great
0: resources yeah. great thank you chelsea so much for sharing a little bit about your motherhood journey with noah and especially coming and being on with us when you're really in the <laughs> thick of it with your second. So, i really appreciate it thank you for sharing with us I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did, and if you did, you might want to subscribe to the podcast so you could be the first to know when new episodes air. Be sure to check out the show notes for any links, resources, or information that we mentioned in this episode. Thank you for listening.